Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, Ryan. I haven't talked to you oh, in such a long time. Recorded live. <laughs> hey, Tiana. Hi. Hey, are we the Is anyone else on? I'm here. It's Megan. Oh, hey. Megan. Hey, ladies, it's Gina. Hi, Gina. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. Thank you. Hi, everyone, it's Heather. Hey, Heather. Hi, Heather. Hi. So I have Heather. Who else is on? Uh-huh, it's Nicole. Hey. <laughs> Tiana. I heard Tiana. Are you there? Yes. Okay. Okay. So I've got Tiana, Nicole, and Heather. Who else? Paulina. Hey, Paulina. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Good. And Megan. I'm here. And Megan. Hey. How's it going? Hello. Good. Hey, it's Kelly. I'm here. Oops, sorry, I missed that. Who's on? It's Kelly. Hey, Kelly. How's it hey, going? Hey, how are you? How are you today? Good. 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 Looks like eight people are on, and I only have seven checked off. Um, I have Paulina, Megan, Tiana, Nicole, Kelly, Heather, and Aaliyah. Is anyone else on? Alicia, I'm here. Oh, hey, Alicia, how's it going? All right. How did everyone like the video the last month? I'm going to be honest and say that I completely missed it. (laughs) We were just talking today, um, it's me, Paulina, and Tiana, and Nicole. Um, oh. got together for our CPR training and I was like it's been a really long time since the call and they were like oh we had a video last month and I just oh. completely missed it I'm so sorry but I will go in and watch it tonight yeah no worries 
And you know, the thing with the Facebook stuff, it really can kind of pass you by. I'm actually going to just pin it at the top of the post. Um, oh, okay. So I can only pin one thing at a time, which makes sense. Okay. Yeah, um, because I, I pinned that website for my mentor things, but I'll do that later on for the mentor call. I like this. This is Nicole. I like this. Um, you know, I have been, um, I did a, um, oh gosh, finding clients online, um, you know, uh, online workshop with her um, along oh, with awesome. my Emily Fontes thing and, you know, stuff like uh-huh. that. So I had kind of already n- known the things that she had said, but, you know, it was neat to watch her say it. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm trying to find it, baby. Did someone else pop on just now? Yeah, it's Anna. Hey, Anna, how are you? Hello. All right. Lori and Joy. I'm going to go ahead and just start so we all have enough time to talk. Um, And I'll let them kind of just join us if they come along to the call. So, give me one second here, guys. I'm just getting kind of organized. Awesome. Okay, so this call tonight is about navigating an induction. Um, and we choose to do this call like further along on the call list, um, really because we're most of the time doulas have been to an induction by now. And our goal with the call is to really kind of talk about um, protocol on a deeper level. Like we definitely went over it in our training, um, kind of hospital routine protocols in hospital and out of hospital. But now that you guys have been there acting as a doula, and maybe some of you have seen induction, I'm sure new questions have come up. And also just kind of how you treat your role and how it changes your role as a doula. So we're kind of dive into induction on a deeper level. We introduced this call about a year ago when we were finding that most of our mentor calls around this time started to um, just focus more on inductions because people are having to deal with them and they just had so many questions around it. So we decided to make it a teleclass call to kind of just talk more about it and answer any questions that you guys have. So it's a really chatty call. Um, I want to make sure that everybody goes and has some time to share their thoughts and um, especially if you have stories. And um, Nicole, I'm sure you know you're going to have a lot of stories that we can lean on. Um, but I'm I'm really wanting to hear those recent situations, um, how your role was affected, how you felt like you served your client, and if um, you felt at like if you felt like mercy of the induction. I feel like that's the most common feeling I have new doulas bring up. So yeah, we're just gonna kind of play around with that, and um, I'd love to hear all the different ways you guys have been treating inductions to doulas choose to practice in different ways around it. 
So I'd love for you guys to share that as well, those of you who have been to an induction recently. So um, before we dive in, in, does anyone have any questions around that topic? No. Well, all right, cool. Well, does anybody want to start out? Has anyone been to an induction lately? I was at one, I think back in May. I went uh-huh. to May. Um, honestly, I, I'm still sort of like processing my thoughts on how it, how it panned out, but um, it seemed like the general, the general protocol was they didn't want to let mom go past 40 weeks. Um, a lot of fear mongering. Um, it the physician made it very clear who was in control during that whole situation. Um, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> that was just sort of, that was sort of my takeaway from, from the whole thing. Um, How yeah. did that feel for you as a doula to navigate through that fear? I felt really out of my element. Definitely. Um, you know, I, I had been to a midwife assisted birth and then you know immediately after I went to this really very heavily like protocol rich environment mm-hmm. and it was like night and day as a doula I felt um you know at a certain point I needed to kind of adapt myself to the situation that that was that was taking place so um you know mom wound up pushing on her back the doctor just kind of broke down the bed. I think I told you about all that. Um, that's mm-hmm. the same the same one. Yeah, the doctor broke down the bed without, you know, any kind of what, what position would you like to push in? Does this feel okay? But mm-hmm. um broke down the bed and put her feet in the stirrups and and then, you know, started coached pushing. So I kind of for a second I was a little bit stunned and I kind of stood back and then, you know, inserted myself back into the situation and I was counting along with her and holding her hand and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it just it took a second for me as a doula to kind of readapt myself to to fit the appropriate yeah, to appropriately fit the situation. Mhm. What do you feel like it was that you did that helped you get there? You know, slow doula. <laughs> Hands down. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, I would say like what you witnessed was pretty common um for a hospital environment, especially one that's pretty heavy on protocol, mm-hmm. um, especially with the fear-based stuff and, like, just surrounding induction, I feel like it's just automatically birth becomes more medicalized and more managed, um, and the staff really just kind of treats it like they're the ones in control of the labor because they're the ones facilitating it. So it's a really hard place to kind of start with a client, for the client and for you and just everyone kind of finding their rhythm. Did you join her, um, like at what point did you join her? When she got the cervical ripener or more towards Pitocin? More towards towards Pitocin, actually. Um, I wasn't there for cervical ripener. Um, She had gone in at 9 p.m. the night prior and I told her mm-hmm. just to let me know when, when, you know, when she was ready for me to come. And okay. and then, you know, she gave me a call the next day. I was like, okay, it's time for you to come. Okay. So I came and 
Um, and it, yeah, like I said, it was it was just a wonky a wonky situation mm-hmm. <laughs> all around, you know. Yeah. Um, sorry, I didn't want to interrupt. <laughs> no, no, go for it. Um, this is Tiana, and I was actually going to comment on the birth that Paulina and I did together. Um, I had a mom who was, um, she had turned 40, like she was at 40 weeks that particular day, and she was going in for an ultrasound at the doctor's office, and um, they were having a hard time finding the baby's heartbeat and, like, freaked her out and it was like a super early appointment and she hadn't eaten. So mm-hmm. they're like, oh, we need to send you to the hospital and let's see what's going on because, you know, nothing is, you know, like we can't find all the things that we need to find. So, of course, it sent her into some stress and she called me and told me about it and they were going home and um, to get their stuff and then they were going to head to the hospital. Well, by the time they got to the hospital, it was already... Um, because she had all the intentions of, you know, starting labor naturally. Mm-hmm. And they weren't super pushy. They weren't super pushy about, um, like, getting her right at 40 weeks, but it was kind of in, like, an afterthought as well. And uh, by the time they got to the hospital and they did another ultrasound and the baby was perfectly fine and it wasn't an issue, at that point they weren't, um, they did an ultrasound and they were like, well, you know, if we can't, see what we need to see, we're going to consider a C-section to get the baby out in case there's distress. So I walked in, like, just as she was finishing, (laughs) just as she finished saying, like, well, maybe we're going to have to do a C-section depending on what the ultrasound says. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, good. So (laughs) when I walked in and introduced myself and um, the doctor was going to go and check on the ultrasound results. And um, in the meantime, I had a chance to check in with my clients and, you know, say hi and see what's going on and everything. And so they were just kind of on pins and needles. They went from, like, you know, this is going to be an uncomplicated natural birth to now we're looking at a C-section. And then the Mm -hmm. doctor came back in and said, well, we can't leave. We can't let you go. We can't let you go home at this point. But the baby's perfectly fine. Everything's okay. So let's just get the induction started and we'll get things going that way. And this is, this is not like an immediate, like it's, this hospital is not in town. It's one of the like outside of town hospitals. And sure. they started her induction really, really slow. I mean, mm-hmm. she, like it was really, really slow, which was kind of surprising because that's not typically, the, you know, that's not typically how most of the other hospitals do it. But they started her really, really slow, and she got, um, I mean, they didn't go above a two till, like, six, seven, eight hours later. And wow. That's they, and they started her on pit? They did not do a cervical ripener? No. No, they didn't. They just, they just started her on pit, and she was between one and two for, like, six, seven, eight hours. Yeah. And really for her labor to jumpstart on its own. Mm-hmm. She, was, she was like in one centimeter dilated when they first got to the hospital. Okay, okay. So she was so, Yeah, so they just kind of wanted her to, you know, get things started. And 
they were really, I mean, they were really, really patient. Like they were not, um, they weren't pushing anything on her. They weren't, um, I don't think she was even, Lena might be able to help me on that. I don't think she was even hooked up to an IV because we were actually able to um, get her moving, get her walking down the hall and everything. I mean, she, she did really awesome. And this is, I feel like this is usually not the case. Um, and it was kind of nice to see that like, it, it ended up being like by the by the end of it, she was really in labor on her own, right? Um, and which you know which was ideal, which is what she wanted. But mm-hmm. um, I think it was right before she was like they were just trying to get the cervical lift to like that last little push. That's when they like cranked it up to five, but that was it. Wow! And so yeah. it was a. It was actually a really positive experience with induction, mm-hmm. which yeah, I know is typically <laughs> right, like which typically isn't the case. So, mm-hmm. um, so that that has really been my only experience with induction so far. Um, and I've heard, you know, I'm, obviously I've heard all the other horror stories that happen in and around Atlanta, um, but this hospital, I mean, they're, you know, they're probably like an hour outside of the city and um, they were really positive. The nurses were really supportive of natural birth and um, like not the last nurse that we had that she delivered with, she was um, an experienced, an experienced nurse in labor, labor and delivery, particularly mm. with natural birth. And she okay. was like, yeah, you guys just do your thing. Like they, she just kind of left us alone. She wasn't awesome. the she wasn't the most warm and fuzzy type, but she left uh-huh. us alone and let us do our thing. So yeah, what, I really. What, uh, what hospital was it? It's on Northside uh, Cherokee. Cherokee. Okay. I really yeah. like hearing the positive stories because it's you hear so many horror stories. It's nice to hear positive experiences surrounding right. induction mm-hmm. because it's not always a completely horrible negative experience. No, right. I'm. I'm glad you brought that up, Tiana, because I would have to say, like, it's pretty half and half for me with my clients, where it, inductions can be lovely. Um, so most women's bodies respond to them really well. Um, and, yet, like, when I say that, I mean kind of like their body goes into labor with the medicine. Uh, right. They tend to be a little longer, but not always. And... I think it's really about your language in your prenatal visits and really preparing them for the unknown and asking them if it does happen, how do they feel about it? And in the event that it does go down that road, what are some things that can be helpful? So you're really starting to get those thoughts going, not that you're planting seeds and like jinxing anything, but just having her entertain that thought so that it's not so surprising to her and so jolting. Right, right. And, you know, it was, um, I mean, I, I think communicating both with the provider and with the clients is really important. And, yeah. like, the, the communication between me and the clients and then the clients and, the, and you know, the, the healthcare provider as well, I think, uh-huh. were huge to really just do what they felt comfortable with. So Yeah. And what was, like, one thing that you remember that was, like, positive communication that you feel like really helped? Um, the the client really um, kept telling the um, the doctor that she just wasn't comfortable with like with doing the C section. She's like, I just mm-hmm. you know I wanna 
I want to figure out what's another, you know, and then like another way to approach it. Yeah. And I really, I really encouraged her because that was the first thing, like after I walked in and heard, you know, C-section, mm-hmm. like once the doctor yeah. left, I was like, okay, guys, how are we feeling? What's going on? <laughs> let's, you know, yeah. let's kind of chat about it. And um, so that was, you know, that was nice. And the doctor, you know, she was, she was pretty open. She seemed like she was really young. Um, and she, um, you know, like, because Paulina and I were at that birth for 17 hours into Valentine's yeah. Day morning. Yeah. So, you know, like, at some point, they kind of get eager. But we're like, no, we're good. She's doing really well. She's, you know, handling awesome. it. And mm-hmm. and I think also having the support from the nurses was kind of nice, too. So That's great. Yeah, that always yeah. is a game changer. It feels like a team. Um, yeah. Does anybody have any experience with um, induction with just um, cervix ripening and then nothing past that? Doesn't usually happen that often that it that's all it takes. Yeah, I, I've in seen my experience, you know, it I usually had a just, just had Foley. What's that? I said I had a client who just had a Foley bulb. <clears throat> Well, oh, yeah, but that's not really a light sorry, that's a manual dilator. <laughs> I can't yeah, hear I you just guys. was what? trying to, sorry, I was just trying to apply to the situation. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, um, I was just curious. I, I mean, do you all have any experience with somebody having, like, you know, their cervix ripen, but, like, having it taken out early? Because generally, you know, what, it's like 12 hours that it's on the cervix? Mm-hmm. Um. Have you guys ever experienced that before where somebody, like, just responds to it really quickly and then feels like it needs to be taken out? What do you do in that situation? Uh, I've I've had this. Has anyone else had it? I mean, I've had it where, like, the cervidil has fallen out. Mm-hmm. Um, really? or slid out or however you want to describe it. Yeah, because yeah. it's like a ribbon kind of a thing almost. But yeah. um, usually, well, I shouldn't even say usually. The experience that I had with it, they put it back in or put another one back in, um, mm-hmm. and it fell out too. So they just gave up on it um, <laughs> and moved on to the next thing, you know. But um, I personally haven't had an experience in five years of an induction with like cervical as a cervical ripener was the only jump start she needed. Mm-hmm. That doesn't even happen, I'm sure, but that's just that, not been in my experience. That just mm-hmm. that happened to me. It was a personal experience. I, my body uh-huh. just responded to it like um, almost really, almost <laughs> no, like almost really tragically. I felt I felt really awful and. Mm out of control and within three hours they took it out. Um, but so I was Anna was a Cervidil? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And I was just, and then like after that I just birthed naturally. Um, but I was just curious if anybody had any sort of experience with that at all. I've never seen that with Cervidil. I've seen what Nicole said where it falls out. Mm-hmm. But um, just kind of kicking them into labor, and then that's just what she needs to get there and cruise with it. I've only seen that with Cytotech because it's stronger. Um, 
And this was more like a few years ago in New York when it was still very common to use Cytotech in this one hospital. I think yeah. it kind of still is. Um, but it took the mom about four hours to start feeling like nice labor, and she had the baby within 11 hours. And it was a yeah. beautiful, beautiful, like solid, healthy birth. And um, it was like, you know, Cervidil or Cytotec has a, you know, a really bad rap. <laughs> so I feel like um, it was like the one and only time I've ever was like, okay, that was a positive experience with it. Um, but it's a pretty, you know, it can be, it can have some scary side effects. Um but I think, you know, going back to all, no matter what form of induction it is, whether it's a cervical ribotherm or a straight pitocin right away, I feel like just treating everything um, with your client like it's a normal birth and joining them when they need an extra pair of hands. So it's really easy to get stuck in that, like, well, she just got a cervical ribotherm. I'm probably not going to see her till tomorrow, which is most likely true. But there are those cases where, like, you get that phone call in the middle of the night and you're going. Um, so it's a good point to bring up. And have you been to any inductions? No. Nope. Besides your own? <laughs> no. Nope. Okay. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. And, um, Anna, I'm sorry that you felt, like, out of control in that experience, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know... Uh, I really hate to hear that from, you know, moms to have, uh, you know, to, to have those feelings. And I, I hope um, that you will get to kind of hack those out and, and become, you know, to feel more at peace with that because, you know, I'm sure that there was some positivity from that birth that you can hang on to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, everything was great. I was just mad that I kind of went against how I felt about my birth and um I went with you know more of like my midwife Margaret of course I mean she was amazing and she didn't mind me not going in but you know there was also the other midwives who were like you know you should probably be induced you really need to be induced that kind of thing and Mm -hmm. um it was it was more of like a a last minute like okay I guess I'll do this because they're telling me to, and I was a little scared. Mm-hmm. But so mostly I was just mad because I listened to them instead of listening to myself, but everything yeah. turned out okay. You know, I had a water birth, and it was awesome otherwise. So, so yeah, your, body, your body really said no, and it's like the situations like this where I'm thinking it's really a good idea that it was cervical and not cytotech because that can't yeah. be removed and reversed. Yeah. I mean, it's one, I'm super sensitive to everything always, period. And so I knew better, you know. Like, I knew mm-hmm. I shouldn't have had that done. Um, and I was just mad at myself for, you know, mm-hmm. allowing them to pressure me into it. But I was just I'm curious sorry. if anybody had that experience. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that, Anna. Paulina, did you have anything to add to the birth with Tiana, or have you had any other inductions? Um, I have been to another induction, but this was kind of uh, 
Well, I guess it was an induction, really. Well, I mean, it was a three-day-long birth. And, mm. you know, they after doing a lot of stuff, they, you know, started doing some um, Pitocin to get things going because um, mom was exhausted and things were not moving rhythmically enough. Um, so, you know, that to me, that was a time when Pitocin was needed because mom had been in labor for three days. She, yeah. uh, this was with um, C-Baby with Dr. Boots Taylor. So we knew that they, you know, they had done everything that they could. Um, mm-hmm. And then it turns out that mom might have had kidney stones too, and that's why she couldn't, mm. that's why she was having so many problems. Uh, so, oh, you know, man. in that sense, it was a, it was a positive experience because it was just something that they needed to try to try to get, um, you know, baby out and give mom some relief. And then, you know, the induction that I was at with uh, Tiana, I thought was a very positive experience as well. I mean, she, she just was, I mean, I was amazed at, you know, um, our client because she just did awesome. She was just, you know, everything was perfect. You would have never thought that she, you know, that they had induced her. She was just, everything just was really positive and she was, um, you know, she was bummed about it, but she knew that she could still have the natural birth that she wanted in every other sense. So it was just a little bit of a longer process, but, um, you know, because it was 17 hours, but it was, mm-hmm. I, I think it was very positive. We were in the perfect environment for it because, like Tiana mentioned, they went really low. They, you know, kept turning it down that they needed to. Uh, they were making her very comfortable. Um, everyone was very supportive of her, so it was a, you know, thankfully my two inductions have been, you know, very positive for me to mm-hmm. see it and the perspective of not, you know, being like pushy, but being something that might be necessary or just turning something that happened into something positive. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I always, like, in my mind, I'm always, there's certain births where I'm like, bless the meds, like, be grateful we have them because they do beautiful things sometimes. They're not all bad all the time. Exactly. Uh, And especially um, true failure to progress, like mamas who are in labor for days and days and days and give it a fair shot, sometimes their body just needs a little extra love. And it works and it kind of gets them to the place that they want to get. So don't always, you know, walk into inductions with like your shoulders slumped down and your head hanging low, like, oh, this is not going to be fun. Uh, yeah. It has the possibility to be great. Exactly. And like you mentioned, uh, talking about it at your prenatal and, you know, if this does happen, how do you want to proceed or what are your thoughts on it? So they do you know, they are educated in the different things that might happen Mm -hmm. in case of anything because with birth, like, you know, anything could happen. So Mm -hmm. I think, like, education is a big thing either way. And at the end of the day, it's their birth. And, you know, as long as you supported them in what they were feeling was, you know, right at that time, then that's what we're really there for is to just Mm -hmm. really be there for them and their choices that they make. Yeah, absolutely. And it also just kind of, gives them the opportunity to just be like the invitation to know that it's okay if that happens. You know, it's like, 
you could still have a beautiful birth and you could still be happy with your birth story, even if it doesn't go the way you want it to go. Um, so it just kind of starts that conversation, and I think it's fun to do. Yes. I really think on that note, uh, this Nicole, um, that <laughs> as far as them taking away, you know, um, uh, like a positive and satisfying experience from these kinds of things that might have deviated from their original plan is when they are educated and they're asking the questions and they feel like they're involved with the decision-making, um, mm-hmm. it really helps them, um, like, preserve their own, um, I don't know, I, I, they get to hang on to it as their own experience. And so when mm-hmm. I hear moms and families that they're like, oh, they wouldn't let me or they made me or, you know, whatever, that those are all of the phrases that, you know, I hear from moms that are disappointed with their experiences. Um, and it's the, you know, even, even though the moms that have inductions or have cesareans or whatever, you know, when they can talk about it as if it were the right move for them at that time, then, then those are the moms that are like, yeah, I did the best thing, you know, in my, in my situation. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. the problem is like, you know, we, the stories of the inductions that go really well because they probably were the right thing, you know, that's kind of what feeds into the fact that that they feel like, at least the care providers, they oftentimes feel like they're more in control and they really know how to work it. But it only mm-hmm. works if it's time, if it's ready, if all of the things are right in place. You can't, you know, it, you can't force it, but sometimes it's the right move. And mm-hmm. like Gina said, you know, they, they can be um, awesome. It can be exactly the right move at exactly the right time that preserves yeah. the experience. So what do you, um, Nicole, what are some tricks, like, in your language that you have, um, by tricks I mean, like, favorite things or things that you find that to be helpful um, for um, the situation of an induction, like, it's kind of happening in the birth room and it's really not expected, and you have a mom who's like, I really don't want to do this, I don't want to do Pitocin, should I do it? You know, what do right. you think? I think this is a good idea, but I really don't want to. Like, they're on that, they're they're walking that line trying to figure out where they feel in their emotions. Like, yeah. how do you facilitate that? Well, I try and help them take the emotion out of it um, and start thinking it more like, um, like a logistic standpoint. What are the benefits of moving forward with this process? Um, mm-hmm. What are the risks associated? You know, just kind of having them use their acronym for question and answer um, mm-hmm. so that they can, you know, talk about it with their care provider and see, you know, what makes sense. Um, and, again, I think it's part of, like, their involvement in it. And if they, if after getting all the information they still don't feel sure, then we talk about what are some alternatives. Like, well, what can we mm-hmm. do if we're looking for progress, you know? Um, yeah. Do you, you know, do you want to explore acupressure? Or do you need to take a nap? <laughs> do you want to listen to a hypnosis script? Do you, know, what do you mm-hmm. want to do to see if we can kickstart it without medical intervention? And then, you know, can we reevaluate? Um, you know, really just trying to help the client, you know, come come to a decision that that she feels good about, and well, and that he, uh, you know, or she, she, whatever, the couple, the parents, the family, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, whatever mm-hmm. it is that they feel good about um, by uh, by facilitating conversation. Yeah. And do you feel like that's my tool? Yeah. Do you, I mean, are you the person that's facilitating like acupressure and stuff like that? What What's your role at that point, Nicole? 
Well, I do because I took uh, an advanced training on it. So I, okay. you know, I know, you know, some of the placements and how to apply them and when to apply them um, because I took a training. Um, and sure. of course, I always ask if, you know, if the client is comfortable exploring some of these options. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Most of the time, they are in an effort to prevent, you know, further medical intervention. Um, sure. But if they're not, because I mean, I definitely have some clients they are like. Well, blah blah blah, but no, I don't really feel like moving. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and so then, you know, so then we say, okay, well, let's let's say that we're going to do, you know, the uh, the medical induction. Let's talk about what that process looks like. What are your options in that case? What is a care mm-hmm. provider looking for progress after that? You know, um, is your care provider? You know, what questions can you ask to find out if your care provider is actually using evidence based protocol for you know failure to progress and you know things mm-hmm. like that. And that all comes from, you know, experience and continuing education and stuff, so. But I'm not giving her the answers. I try not to give her the answers. I want her to find the answers out for herself. Exactly. And that more than anything is what's going to help them have a positive experience. Are you saying you want them to, like, find out the answer for themselves while they're in labor, or is this something you're communicating with like beforehand well yes both yes both um i think that um i think that clients are going to have a better experience if they have educated themselves by taking a childbirth preparation class and learning about all of the different options that are available and that they'll be offered because the usage statistics are so high in our city and in the country so it would be, you know, it really would behoove them to learn about them and why they are and how successful they are and when they're successful. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But then also in the moment, they need to know what questions they can ask and what rights they have to the information they're provided. So I mean, that's really... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. What if there's a client that, like, you just, they don't know how to reach that answer? You know what I mean? Like, what if they're just seeking your counsel in the situation right. because they they don't know what to do. So I guess with that the 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 answer would start with slow doula, right? And mm-hmm. then you know you you are just uh, let's see here because you can't tell them what you would do or whatever. All you can do is help them right. find the facts. You know, right? So helping them get access to the facts. And so sometimes maybe it's you that's citing some of the information because they're mm-hmm. asking you the question, you know, because you are kind of to them an expert in the field of normal birth, whereas the, um, you know, typically our medicalized, quote unquote, care providers are, you know, experts in not normal birth, <laughs> like high risk situations, mm-hmm. troubleshooting, you know, things like that, um, managing um, different variations. So it's it really is a fine line, but ultimately, whatever it is that they decide, it's that's them, you know. Mm-hmm. And it takes a really long time, I think, for most of us to get the hang of that. That it's them, um, it's their it's their thing. Whether or not we think it's the right move, whether or not we think they asked all the questions they should have asked, whether or not, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. So the same thing with like epidurals. I just kind of figure my role at that time is. Um, I think it was Megan that said, meet them where they are and try and help them prevent further intervention. Mm-hmm. You know, and educate. Try and help them, yeah, try and help them make the, the induction a successful induction or try and help mm-hmm. them make the, you know, the epidural actually work for them and not hinder them. Mm-hmm. So what's your language at that point? 
Uh, well, I try and um, like reaffirm to them that they're making good decisions and that they are, you know, that um, that are, you know, right for them. I try and, you know, just kind of reaffirm them that, you know, um, their path is their path, and you can't yeah. compare it to anybody else's, you know. And and also, it depends on who they are and what they are and what the situation is. So it's not like a a scripted answer, but because of um, because of my whole um, education style and the fact that my background is in hypnosis. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. always using um, either positive um, personalized language or, or neutral language um, mm-hmm. to help them kind of navigate everything and letting them know that they are, you know, uh, like we had mentioned, there are definitely cases where induction is the right move and it is awesome and it goes the way that it's supposed to go as far as we um, imagined it, getting things back on the normal path. I mean, because that's the whole goal. <laughs> With inductions, mm-hmm. it should be to help get this, you know, wonky situation back on the road. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and like I said, you know, some some clients, you give them all of the options and all the information, and they're like, eh, I don't feel like doing that. <laughs> <laughs> totally. You know? Yeah, they're like, eh, I'll just lay here. It feels nice. I'm kind of tired. You know, my belly is really yeah. big. You know, whatever. And so, okay, cool. You know, I'll sit here right next to you. And, yeah. you know, I'll check in, you know, with how you're doing every half hour. You know, do we need to change positions? Are you thirsty? Can we pee? You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'm just going to let you enjoy your experience the way that you want to enjoy it at this time. Mm-hmm. a lot of pressure sometimes, I think, for clients to, for them to actually take charge and to actually be yeah. the one in control. I, I feel like sometimes they don't want that burden or that responsibility. If things don't yeah. go just, you know, swimmingly and you're, they're like, oh, great, blah, blah, blah. if it doesn't go like that, sometimes the client just doesn't want the burden. Yeah, and that's what I think I'm, I find myself asking the question when I'm asked the question of, like, what do you think I should do? I'll say, well, what do you want to do? And right. just immediately turning it back around on them, they kind of stop and think, like, oh, I actually have the power to make this decision right now. Um. I feel like I always think about prenatals as educating in conversation. Think about birth as like in the middle of it, really like tipping the scales. Like here's one side of it, here's the other side of it. Here's what can possibly happen on either side. And really just kind of comparing um, our choices and just really putting the power into their hands and the decision making. You know, like for us, the good to me, to a good decision in birth means that they made the decision. The decision the decision, not me or the doctor or the nurse uh, or midwife. And then after Ooh, the I thought about time, I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's, it's cool. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. But just um, in the postpartum time, it's more about the emotions that come up. So it's like a three-step process that usually happens um, because emotions sometimes cannot be worked out in the middle of the birth. There's just too much going on in the mind and body and heart. And I usually see that as an after thing in the postpartum time. Nicole, what are you going to say? Um, you know, as far as like the language and the tips and the tricks, um, I, this is uh, like a, this is just one of my inserts that I always try and empower my clients with. Like, whatever the decision is that you make, I want you. This is what I tell my clients. I want you to be able to look at your care provider and say, you know, care provider, I really do think it's you know time for us to explore that. Yeah, because if you can say, I feel like it's the right move, then uh-huh. you know. Again, then you're taking it on um, as your experience and not someone else's. So, you know, as we're kind of talking and they're asking their questions and they're like, well, what do you think and what would you do? That's kind of, 
you know, you said, well, what do you want to do? But I tell them, like, whatever it is that you want to do, you need to be able to say it. Like, yeah. <laughs> you need to be able to say, like, this is what I want to do because I feel like this. Yeah. And then you know exactly. that it feels right to you. And then you know that, you know, mm-hmm. that it is the right move for you at that time. <clears throat> because if you can't say that, then you're going to carry that with you. Yeah. So I have a and question. that's all I have to say. Cool. <laughs> um, Sorry. No, that's okay. I, I'm just looking at the time. There's 15 minutes left, and there's still a few people we haven't heard from. Um, Kelly, Heather, Aaliyah, Alicia. Um, are you guys out there? Do you want to share? Well, this is Heather. I don't really have anything this year. I'm just now <laughs> starting to feel normal. So, um That's good to hear. Yeah. So after yeah. I don't really have anything to add. I'm just trying to absorb all the information and everybody's experience that they've shared. Mhm. I'm glad to hear you're feeling better, Heather. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. Me too. Alicia, have you been to an induction or have any thoughts? My own induction. What? My own induction. Okay. Did you have anything you wanted to share um, regarding what was shared already? Just any questions or anything like that? Um, not really any questions. Um, we kind of covered a lot of it. Uh, about the whole, like, just the, the language and the approach going into it. Um, I did not have a doula for that birth. It was my first birth, so it was, I walked into it completely, really unaware of what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and having things done to me that, like, they, you mentioned about having, or somebody mentioned about having the bed broken down without really anything being said. It was just kind of done, and legs up in stirrups, and just, almost mechanical just process um and that 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 was an incredibly overwhelming part of it Mm -hmm. um it feels so industrial and medicalized i feel like right it's not personal and it's just just so very clinical yeah i think sometimes that they i don't know maybe they don't really forget they just don't think about it but that moms you know they don't just because they're going in for an induction doesn't mean that they're less or they deserve less respect or less privacy because, mm-hmm. you know, or, or I find this with epidurals. I've seen a lot with uh, a mom with an epidural. She, it's like almost like if she, she can't feel it. So then let, it doesn't matter. Let's just not try and if she's one that wants to be um, very, I guess, modest or covered mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah, you know, that was very important to her. Um, but just to have everyone just kind of disregard that and reveal everything, put her legs up and just whatever. It's like she doesn't feel it. It's Then it's okay to go ahead and do it. And, um, yeah, I think they just providers as a rule, or at least from what I've experienced and seen, it just doesn't seem that they're always aware of things like that. It can be very, mm-hmm. very um, clinical. Yeah. And I think that 
while the clinical stuff is happening with inductions, it is a medicalized event. Um, I, using the language of the, the mom's body, like, I love how your body is doing this. Look at your baby. Look at your, you know, look at these contractions responding so nicely. Like, keeping it on her and the baby as opposed to, like, watching the machines and, you know, what centimeter are we dilated now? How much Pitocin is in her? Like, getting caught up with all the numbers of everything. I think just always, like, bringing it back to her. Like, your cervix is doing such a great job. <laughs> like, you're doing such an awesome job. I think it's really important. Awesome. Um, Kelly and Aaliyah. Hey, it's Aaliyah here. Hey. Um, I haven't been to an induction. Um, I've only had the one birth that I've attended, so um, I don't have any experience with any of that at all. Um, but I do really appreciate all of the feedback that's been given um, during the call. I feel like... Sorry. Um, as the language that they were talking about, I think that definitely has helped me kind of keep some things in mind for whenever it is time for me to go to an addiction. Um, I think that definitely will be helpful for me to keep those things in mind and remember, like you just said, like, you know, keeping the focus on the client and kind of bringing her back into things instead of allowing it to be so clinical for her. I think that's really important. Um I don't know. I mean, I've only heard stories. I think I heard Anna say something about her, like, hearing all the horror stories or whoever it was that was saying that. Um, I mean, I've heard horror stories, and I've heard really good stories. So I can't I, – I still I don't think, even if I'm approached with that type of situation, I don't feel like I go into it with a negative, like, mindset, thinking, like, oh, this isn't going to be bad, because there are times when it is good. So I think that, for me um, – working as a doula whenever I get presented that kind of um, situation that I think it will be helpful for me to have the open mind because when you have an open mind as well, too, with your client, with your mom, she's going to see that as well, too. If you go in it with Mm -hmm. a negative connotation, she's going to kind of be like, oh, this is going to be the worst thing ever, whereas if you kind of just say, hey, you know, this might be a good thing for you. So I think that's Mm -hmm. definitely important. Yeah. Well, thank you for hey, sharing. Kelly, I don't, I don't really have anything to add. Um, I'm trying to nurse my son who's screaming right now. So, um, but I've been listening, and I don't really think that an induction should change our role. I mean, we're still there to in their decision. So I don't really think that it would change the way I feel about. Them. I mean, it's not my birth, and. I mean, I've had an induction myself, but actually all of the births that I've been to have been natural births with very, very little medical intervention. So, um, I mean, I haven't seen it from a professional standpoint, but um, I don't think it really would change the way I would, you know, support someone because Mm -hmm. it's not my birth. And I've had lots of, I mean, I've had natural births that have been more devastating to me than things that I've heard about inductions. Some of the stories that I've heard. So I just think that it wouldn't really change how I would support someone. Yeah. 
women have had a natural birth who they, I mean, she didn't have any medication, anything, but they treated her like she was being induced, like coached, pushing on her back to push the baby out, wouldn't let her squat, wouldn't let her move, um, just really weird things. So I don't know. I feel like, I mean, that birth to me was more devastating than probably if I if it was an induction. To me, that's my, my sure. So I don't know. I think that things like that can happen, you know, because it's birth. You don't know what's going to happen. It can happen if it's an induction, if it's a natural birth, or what, you know, whatever. So I don't think it really changes how I would support anyone. Yeah, absolutely. I think what I was referring to is more like when you join people, your language and how you facilitate the relationships with um, care providers and nurses. But yeah, in general, no, our role as a doula and our scope does not change. Um, it's more about the logistical side of stuff. Well, thank you for sharing that. Anything else, ladies, about this topic? I actually had a question. Yeah. Um, so you know that I mainly do postpartum support. Um, so typically I'll join the mom after she's, you know, she's, she's given birth, um, not usually during. But um, mm-hmm. so if she's had an induction or, or a traumatic birth or something like that, then how do we as doulas reframe that and kind of help her find her way in processing that? Do we, do we do we help reframe that into a positive experience or, hmm. or what? Um, talking specifically about inductions, um, if there is some negative feelings and trauma attached to it and they're really having mm-hmm. a hard time processing it, I'm not trying to convince her it was a good idea or it was a positive experience. I'm really wanting her to feel what she feels. Um, I believe that it's really possible for people to coexist in multiple feelings, why they can feel grateful they have a baby and that they're healthy. They can feel sad about their birth and they can feel mad at the choices that they made or mad at the the care providers. I really let um, encourage clients to vacillate between those emotions and really feel what she feels as opposed to mm-hmm. trying to find the awesomeness in it. Like I remember that back in the early days of my doula career. I would like, but you're doing so good. Like you look at breastfeeding and I would like try and find positive things because I mm-hmm. wanted to make her happy. I wanted her to be happy. Um, now I, I am there to listen and support um, but I really have seen uh, quicker processing and healing through truly feeling their feelings as opposed to, like, trying to sugarcoat it and let them see that, like, they don't have to be upset. There is actually goodness here. I, I, mm-hmm. want, I think it's okay to be upset. Um, it's hard to witness, and it's hard to allow someone to have, like, not allow, but, like, um, really just, like, witness that space, like, you know, just kind of, like, invite her into that space. Um, but, I, you know, I, if you guys kind of go down that path with a client, um, especially in the postpartum time, Megan, I would encourage checking in with her. Sometimes, like, a simple text, like, how are you doing today? 
or what do you need today? You know, what is it that you need? Like something very simple or just like I'm thinking about you. How are you feeling? Just really right. just showing them even that when you're not there, you're thinking about them. And just because um, mm-hmm. it really kind of, again, like solidifies that feeling for them are like, this is okay that I feel like this. Um, and it gives them the chance to really be honest too. Like actually today is pretty good or actually today is terrible. And then you can help support them through that. So right. it's really, I, 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 you know, saying like it's up to them to like <laughs> get to the other side. That's not, it's not what I mean at all. It's really, but it is up to their feelings. Like I really want them to kind of really just emerge in that as opposed to just trying to be happy and put together. You know, it's kind of like the same thing that we we talk about on the outside of what moms go through. Like you have to be like makeup on, your hair is nice and your clothes are nice and clean to go out in public and like feel put together. Um, It's the same thing with processing a birth. It's like you don't have to love it. It's okay that you're upset about it. Right. Okay. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Any other questions, guys? Well, ladies, no. we have – oh, that was a no, or did someone have something oh, else? that was a no. That was a no. Okay. <laughs> that was a no. Okay. <laughs> um, it's – you guys are getting to the bitter end here. It's so exciting. Um, so next month is our second-to-last call. It's crazy. Um, we're going to be – it's a book review. We're doing the Optimal, um, optimal Care and Childbirth. Yes? Yes. Um, and if you guys have not started reading that book, please start reading it now. It's big and dense. Um, <laughs> You're screwed. <laughs> that's how I feel. Like I feel like I'm so Basically, far behind. <laughs> it's going to be my full-time job reading that book. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty intense. But you know what? You guys just hop on the train and go with it because once you do, it's a lot easier just like, you can be overwhelmed the first couple chapters, but then all of a sudden you get used to reading something as um, heavy as this book. And uh-huh. it's, there's so much amazing information in there. Okay. And it's so different than what we read um, okay. compared to all the other birth books. So I think cool. it's really important for us to know. And yes, you're partly right. You're slightly screwed if you haven't started the book. I'm <laughs> You're just a little behind. Um, but please, Definitely start reading it. We're going to have a conversation, and each of us are going to take a few minutes to um, go through the book. Since it's so big, I don't usually divvy up chapters. I just have a general conversation about the book. So, um, yes, please get a jump start on that now. And then our last call is after that, um, which is just like certification packet review and a sweet closing circle for us. So, um, really good um, to me. I'm sorry. What? I've been reading the book at work, and um, I've had several doulas. <clears throat> I've met several doulas because they saw me reading that book. Really? Nice. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Kind of funny. They're like, I've never seen anybody else read that. And I was like, I'm a doula. And they're like, oh, I am too. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. I know. It's not It's not one for, like, just a mom I don't think it's mm-hmm. not, most, not most clients, but um, 
Yeah. What do we need to, like, what are we, what should I be prepared for for the call? So, um, like, what? I, yeah, I mean, I really am looking for favorite sections, anything that stood out. Um, is there oh, okay. anything that you would use in, in your practice, like any uh, studies or statistics that you find relevant um, okay. that you think would really kind of help a client? Things like that. I'll post another few lines as we get closer. Um, for now, I'm not. I'm not on Facebook anymore. So uh, okay. Um, anything that like, if you can, if you're if you're sharing things that we need to know about, can you email it to me? Yes, that is good to know. Okay. And yeah, we'll I haven't that. been on for a few months now. So. Okay. All right, we'll definitely check that out. Um, I'll I'll go down the list to see if there's anything. Um, okay, yeah, and thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, but just you know, two months left, guys. It's really the end. It's really fun and exciting, and I'm sure some of you are starting to feel a little um, nervous because it is the end. But please reach out for mentor calls. I um, I saw that I have a couple with you guys. Um, this coming week, which is awesome. Anna, that is something I need to send you. I have a new scheduling system um, through a website, which is like way easier than going back and forth through messaging. So I'll email you the link. That way we can set up a call. Um, for those of you who haven't talked to for a while, please reach out so we can chat. And I'd love to hear what the status is on uh, your certification requirements and where you are and where you need to go. So let's start that actually- process now. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna, I was gonna ask. Is it like, I'm not really clear on what the hard date is. Is it um, just August in general, or is there like a specific date where we need to have everything submitted? So the end of your program is on our last call, which is August 16th, mm-hmm. um, and then you guys have a week to get me the paperwork. So okay. when I say paperwork, that can be digital too, but you have a week to get me your packet. So it has okay. to be in my hand August 23rd. Um, like hard email? copies? <laughs> I, you, guys, you guys can do whatever you want. A lot of people have been doing emails, and that's great. If you like the hard copy stuff, yes, I will give you my address um, on our next call, and you guys can send it to me that way. But a lot of people have been scanning and just kind of making like a PDF doc and sending it to me. So, yeah, it's really easy because most of our stuff is, you know, it's a small packet. It's not overwhelming. So it's easy to scan it and get it digital. Um, But, yes, that is a good question. So August 23rd, I give people a week just for mailing purposes. But make the goal that you guys have everything done August 16th, okay? Thank you. Yeah. Awesome, ladies. Well, it was so good to hear everyone's voices tonight. Thank you for taking the time, um, and I look forward to talking to you guys on mentor calls. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Good night. Bye. I wanted to. I wanted to apologize really quickly. I don't think anyone. I didn't know if anybody heard me, but I noticed a few times that I didn't have myself muted while I was eating chips, and I'm really sorry. <laughs> So sorry about that. I I noticed it and I was so embarrassed. I'm so sorry, guys. Well, I couldn't help. Goodbye. Oh, God. (laughs) I'm just kidding. It's a week. Good night, (laughs) ladies. Bye, guys.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.